Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of USC and Southern California. I'm Jack Kruger coming to you live from Studio B in USC Annenberg's Media Center. And I'm Cheyenne Dixon. It's Monday, November 6, 2023. Cheyenne, before we start, how does a pirate get through school? Um, I don't know, Jack, how? By sailing on high seas. Okay, that was a good one. But on today's shows, members of SAG-AFTRA respond to studios' last best offer. The USC defensive coordinator gets dismissed with only two games left in the season. And we explore the weird popularity around Five Nights at Freddy's. All that and more from where we are after these news headlines. From Annenberg Radio News, I'm Dominic Varela with five stories in five minutes. Five quick hits so you'll know what's happening at home and around the world. SAG-AFTRA is reviewing a deal originally proposed on Friday that Hollywood studios have deemed their last, best, and final offer. Among other agreements, studios offered the highest wage increase for actors in four decades and what they called full protections against artificial intelligence. The Guild's TV-slash-theatrical negotiating committee announced that deliberations over the proposal will continue through Monday. On Sunday, head USC football coach Lincoln Riley announced that defensive coordinator Alex Grinch had been fired following a 52-42 loss to the Washington Huskies the day before. Grinch, who followed Riley from Oklahoma, commanded a Trojan defense that had been one of the worst in the country statistically. I know as a head coach, it all falls under my responsibility, ultimately, Riley said in a statement Sunday. Riley appointed defensive line coach Sean Nua and linebackers coach Brian Odom to fill Grinch's position. The Israeli army launched airstrikes towards the northern region of Gaza Monday, effectively separating it from the rest of the territory. The death toll is expected to rise sharply in the coming days as warfare reaches the streets of Gaza City. As of Monday, Palestinian casualties have reached 10,000, according to the health ministry of the Hamas-run Gaza Strip. Per the Associated Press, Israeli deaths stand at around 1,400. Starting this week, Disney employees will be receiving wage raises consistent with Anaheim's living wage ordinance. This increase comes on the heels of last month's legal victory for Workers United Local 50 over the Walt Disney Corporation. Local 50 is the largest labor union of Disney workers. Thousands of low-wage Disney workers are expected to receive a boost in pay. Former President Donald Trump testified in his civil fraud trial in New York today. Trump is accused of inflating the value of his company's assets and personal wealth to get better terms on loans and insurance. Before today's trial, Trump said the following. These are political operatives that I'm going to be dealing with right now. Uh, You have a racist attorney general who made some terrible statements. While on the stand, Trump went after New York Attorney General Letitia James, claiming the trial was the result of a, quote, political witch hunt. Trump drew the ire of Judge Arthur Engeron, who grew angry at Trump's long-winded and unfocused answers. I'm Dominic Varela, and those were just five of today's top stories. To hear more, join us for our premier Annenberg Radio News Show from where we are, right here at 5 o'clock today. And that was Nick Varela with some of today's top headlines. Today marked the grand opening for the Wilcox, an affordable housing project in East Hollywood, 
that aims to get unhoused elders off the streets. The Wilcox is categorized as supportive housing, aimed to combine affordable apartments with on-site health and social service. Zifeng Zhang has the story. The Wilcox will be providing 61 housing units for unhoused elders in East Los Angeles. This affordable housing community will also provide services such as case management, mental health care, peer-to-peer counseling, and nutritional support to help seniors transition into more stable and independent lives. Homelessness among seniors is on the rise, with many experiencing homelessness for the first time after age 50. While many seniors are relying on their Social Security income, Rebecca Louie, CEO of Wakeland Housing and Development, says that Social Security is simply not enough to support LA's unhoused population. We know that's why our seniors are falling into homelessness at alarming, alarming rates. I was looking last night, 40% of the seniors in the United States live purely just on Social Security income. Social Security income in Los Angeles is $1,800 a month. Stop and think for a moment what it would be like to be living here on $1,800 a month and think about what the rents actually are. Think about what you're seeing in the grocery stores. Think about what you're seeing at the gas pump. $1,800. It's no wonder. It's just no wonder. These 61 units, among 7,000 more, are all thanks to Executive Directive 1. According to LA City Planning, Mayor Karen Bass's directive expedites the processing, clearances, and approvals of shelters and affordable housing projects in Los Angeles. I did come to this building to announce that more than 7,000 units of affordable housing had been expedited in the first nine months of this year, including the one that we're at today. So it brings me great joy to be here at the Wilcox less than two months later to see Angelinos moving in on the expedited process. We cannot let up, and it just can't take six to nine months to get a simple approval. The 2023 Greater Los Angeles homeless count estimated over 75,000 unhoused people, a 9% increase in the county. While the number is on the rise, unhoused people in interim housing has stayed at about 20,000 people in the past year. For Annenberg Media, I'm Zi Zhang. The Five Nights at Freddy's movie has grossed over $200 million worldwide against a mere $20 million budget. Aditya Thiag asked USC students about their opinions on the movie and the popularity of the franchise as a whole. After nine mainline video games, six spin-offs, and a book trilogy, the Five Nights at Freddy's franchise finally got a live-action film adaptation. Five Nights at Freddy's, commonly referred to as FNAF, is a horror video game franchise created in 2014. The first title revolves around a night shift security guard, Mike Schmidt, that works at a pizza parlor called Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. Schmidt monitors the four animatronic mascots, Freddy Fazbear, Chica the Chicken, Bonnie the Bunny, and Funtime Foxy that roam around via security cameras and must avoid their detection. If he does not stay hidden until 6am, he is brutally stuffed into a spare animatronic suit. The film took most of its inspiration from the first game title and was a box office hit, setting a new record for best opening weekend for the horror movie production company Bloomhouse. Despite negative reception from critics, the film is sitting at an audience score of 88% on Rotten Tomatoes and received a lot of love from fans on the internet. USC students voiced their thoughts on the film and why it 
and the rest of the franchise became so popular. Freshman John Flores and Erica Martinez attributed the success of the film to the FNAF fan base largely consisting of younger kids. Oh my god, nephews and nieces and uh, siblings that are younger than me love that stuff. But also I would say because it's a big meme to like FNAF. And not just like, the, the games are old, definitely, but people do know them because of the memes. Like you see them all over, they, they pop up over, over and over again in the internet's uh, ecosystem. Most of the people watching the movie um, have been fans since like they were small, like really small, like since the game came out. And um, I feel like that kind of kept people in, especially since like people have been waiting for the movie. We also spoke to middle school and high school students in the greater Los Angeles area who had largely positive things to say about the movie. They described it as, quote, a gory fun time with interesting practical effects and fun jump scares. Junior Gray Vasquez, a longtime fan of the franchise, attributed the film's success to the franchise's position as an iconic part of the internet. Uh, I feel like in its own really weird way, Five Nights at Freddy's is kind of a cultural icon. And a lot of people grew up just at least knowing about it or like watching videos on YouTube about like the lore behind it because it's very convoluted and very in-depth for no good reason. Like people are showing out in swarms for this movie because to them it means a lot. Cool. Which I think is really funny because it's Five Nights at Freddy's. Not all audience reception was glowing. Senior Corey Lee stated that he was very mixed on the movie overall. But the rest of it I thought the script was kind of basic and cliche and it was marketed as a horror movie, but it wasn't particularly scary. And I'm I'm a very scared person. I watch a lot of horror movies, I get scared super easily, but with this one, not as much. Although traditional horror film fans are not as enthralled with the movie, the large box office numbers are indicative of both a dedicated fan base and satisfaction amongst the FNAF community. For Annenberg Media, I'm Aditya Tiag. on the scene with someone chatting to me after 116 days on strike the union sag after is still at odds with the alliance of motion picture and television producers also known as the amptp over the weekend the amptp gave the performers union what is called their last best and final offer the update terms are still being discussed Gabriella Medina has the report. The response to the AMPTP's description of the offer as last, best, and final prompted actors like Ginger Gonzaga to clap back on social media saying, last, best, and final offer, or what? You just don't make TV shows and movies again? Similar sentiments were echoed on the picket line Monday morning, with performers pushing back on the idea that the AMPTP's offer signals the end of their negotiating with the Guild. It's really just rhetoric. That was actor, writer, and director Megalyn Ichikinwake. We're not going to back down, so they can say that all they want, but we're still here. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. The strike, which has lasted almost four months, has had substantial impact on box office numbers. This past weekend brought in just $64.6 million, which is down 49% from the week before. Big titles that would have taken over theaters like Dune Part 2 were absent from the lineup after the strike delayed its release. 
The stakes of this specific strike have proven significant enough to bring even long-retired workers to the picket line. Bob Sashin, for example, has been a member of the Writers Guild and on the picket line twice since 1988. Back then, he says, those strikes were about new technologies taking only certain aspects of actors' careers. But today, with artificial intelligence... This strike is about being completely replaced by them, especially for the actors. It, 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 this one is life or death, it really is, and that's why I'm here. Saturday's offer includes protections against AI, which has become a major concern for performers as technology advances. According to Variety, the newer contract also includes a success bonus for streaming shows and increases in minimum rates. Union members like actor James Remar expressed their frustration at having to pick it at all. But I'm not happy about it. I'd rather be working. We all would. None of us want to be standing out on the sidewalk beating the pavement. Uh, but we've been doing it for 116 days because we're committed and they're not going to make us knuckle under. However, Remar remains hopeful that executives will eventually become receptive to the union's requests. Well, the ideal outcome, obviously, would be that the, the studios have an enlightened moment. And uh, like Scrooge in Christmas Carol, they wake up and they realize that they have so much money that they could give us everything that we're asking for, and it wouldn't hurt them one bit. For Annenberg Media, I'm Gabriella Medina. Yesterday, USC football coach Lincoln Riley fired defensive coordinator Alex Grinch after the team's loss to the Washington Huskies on Saturday. This has caused a lot of buzz on campus and many students say firing Grinch was long overdue. Hunter Denyu has the story. Grinch's defensive unit gave up a staggering 52 points versus Washington. And for the season, that defense has allowed an atrocious 34.5 points per game, which would set a school record for points allowed per game in a season. USC currently ranks 124th out of 133 D1 football teams defensively. Multiple USC students shared the same message that they believed that this firing was long overdue. Addison Taylor, who was a business administration major, shared his opinion. Uh, I think it was very necessary. Uh, I've only heard good things about him as a person, but and, I, and I'm you know sorry that it had, had to happen. But the defense was getting to all-time record low. Um, and it was unacceptable, especially after, you know, a whole offseason and the defense just seemed to get worse. So I think it was definitely time and um, time to move on. Meredith Amick, who is an architecture major, thought it was time for a change if USC wanted to make a push for the college football playoff. Um, I feel like just given their performance last season and how they just the defense kind of continued to struggle this season, it was a little bit too late. We've already lost a bunch of games. We've already dropped a bunch in the rankings. Ryan Chan, who is a neuroscience major, believe this season has been wasted. I think that it was a few weeks too late. Honestly, I know a lot of people were calling for it last year. We were like among the worst teams in like FBS and defense, like lower than, uh, we were like 110, 120th ranked uh, defense. Um, and as soon as there were signs of like that trend, like persisting into this year, I feel like you should have been gone, especially with a chance to compete for like the playoff with Caleb Williams, I feel like the year's been wasted. USC has now lost three of their last four games and have dropped out of the AP Top 25 rankings for the first time in the Lincoln-Riley era. Defensive line coach Sean Nua and associate head coach for the defense, Brian Odom, will serve as interim co-defensive coordinators for the remainder of the season. For Annenberg Media, I'm Hunter Denyu.
Alex Grinch has been with the program for less than two years. This is the first time out of that we dropped out of the AP Associate Press Top 25 poll under Lincoln Riley's coaching. After starting our 2023-2024 season at number six, the Trojans are now currently unranked. USC has one of the worst defenses in college football. Through 10 games, the unit has given up 34.5 points per game, on pace for the worst mark in school history. For more on the story, we have Hunter Denyu, who just got back from the USC football press conference to discuss the matter and any updates. So, Hunter, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we're wondering, were there any updates from the press conference? Any new things we should know about? The one thing that I was surprised with is that Riley said he made the decision himself, which was a big shock mm. because him and Grinch were close friends as they go back to yeah. their uh, tenure at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And um, also that the the this year that he's going to ride with Sean New and Brian Odom and that they're going to focus on trying to win as many games as they can this year, rally mm-hmm. the troops, and then focus on coming with a coaching decision maybe after this after the season. He said 99% of it right now is focusing on football. That 1% in my mind is thinking about you know that coaching thing, but I want to give these guys all I got. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So he did this totally alone, Riley did. Do you think anyone saw this coming, though? Do you think there was any slight discussion of it otherwise? or? I think it's been in the works for a while. As you're averaging mm-hmm. almost 35 points allowed on defense for a program that's you know, produce guys like Ronnie Lott, uh, Troy Polamalu, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame guys. USC's a staple in football, and we're getting embarrassed three out of the last four weeks. So if you go on Twitter, you go on any social media, people were, I mean, I, it sucks when someone loses their job, but I think it was coming. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this, how it's not only affect the USC students, but national, like, wide. And we also want to know, do you think this affects Riley's, like, tenure that he has on the line? Yeah, with USC and big programs, we see with Texas, Steve Sarkeesian, he's always on the line. I mean, there's college football and NIL, the money's in it. Mm-hmm. If you don't perform, you're not you're not going to have your job. It's sad. Um, mm-hmm. I think Lincoln Riley's got a 10-year deal he signed last year, so he's got some time. But if if, if they keep losing the way they have, which I don't see happening uh, next year, I think they're going to get a nice defensive guy. Mm-hmm. It, it, it could be, he could be on the line. Well, Jack and I were discussing, we're, we're talking about the game next week with mm-hmm. Oregon. Yeah. So do you think they have a good chance against Oregon now that Grinch is gone? Or what do you think their future looks like? So I am personally traveling up there with a few buddies. Oh, sweet. And exciting. it is a very exciting trip, but I think we're going to get smoked. Uh, mm-hmm. Bo Nix is probably like him and Michael Penix are like the top Heisman candidates and our defense coming off not having a coordinator. Obviously, I wish Sean New and Brian Owen the best of luck, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't expect it. That I would not be shocked that they dropped 50 points on us again. Yeah, especially because Oregon is doing really well. This they season. are insane, yes. All right, as a final question, we're just wondering, do you think this affects uh, college football as a whole? Like, do you think this abrupt decision will, you know, cause more, like, stern decisions um, to fire people when things are going well? Yeah, you see it with sports all over all the time. Obviously, it's sad, but mm-hmm. um, big programs, USC, Alabama, Georgia, say Georgia, they've won two national championships in a row. If they were letting people drop 50 points on them week after week, Kirby Smart would be feeling it as well so exactly. yeah that's it all right well thanks so much for joining us we appreciate your input thank and that you, you got to go to the press conference thank you So with Halloween ending, there was a lot of anticipation towards horror films coming out. One that received better reviews than expected was Five Nights at Freddy's that came out the 27th of of October. Um, For viewers in our age range, me and Cheyenne, the 2010s jump scare era single-handedly defined the beginning of internet and game culture. You know, we had YouTube creators like Markiplier, MatPat, Teens React. We had games coming out like Dumb Ways to Die, all these jump scare games. 
Yeah, there's been a lot of games being、um, adapted lately into like films or books or other versions of things. And not only Five Nights at Freddy's, but also The Last of Us was just one.、Um, I'm excited to see what else they have in the works. Like, I personally would love a Dumb Ways to Die movie. I think、um, hopefully soon. That could be such a good movie. I'd also like to see like a Temple Run movie or something like that. I think yeah, there's、totally. so much potential for so many games. But also, I feel like it depends on who they're catering to. You know, is it for the kids that grew up with it and are they going for the nostalgia vibe or is it, you know, for the kids playing the game today?、Um, I feel like the bigger audience that you try to cater to, the less value your movie has. No, I totally agree. I mean, as you heard earlier, I think the issue is similar to the Barbie situation.、Mm-hmm. Um, Advertisement becomes vague and n- stories don't have the deeper meaning that it initially had because they're catering to too many audiences. And there's a reason why there are movies that are R rated or PG 13 and have those categories because not everything's going to fit every crowd.、Um, I think with these movies, especially for people who are anticipating it in our age bracket, we look forward to seeing the, the lore of the movie and in the depth of the horror movie was supposed to be. but It failed to have that due to the fact that it was trying to, I guess, appease to too many people. Yeah, I think definitely with Five Nights at Freddy's, I saw it yesterday. I think it was trying to cater to too many audiences. You know, it tried to get in the audience of kids who played it. I went with my friends. We all played it when we were like in、uh, late elementary school, maybe early middle school. But it definitely applied to kids today. I was expecting jump scares, I was expecting horror, and it was, you know, it was kind of on the lighter side of that. So it's just really interesting. You know, it's like what approach、um, are you know, people adapting games to movies trying to make? And are they just kind of money hungry? They're trying to, are directors trying to have their cake and eat it too?、Yeah. It's that whole thing. No, I definitely think they are money hungry. I think it goes back to this era of、um, nostalgia and reboots.、Mm-hmm. And everyone's making reboots of films and movies that were earlier, 90s and 80s. And the issue is that now that crowd is not watching this anymore. So, like, who exactly are you making it to?、Mm-hmm. Let's say they make a Dumb Ways to Die movie, like, like you want. Would you, would you want them to go like the gory route, the R rated route? Or do you think they should, you know, try to maybe cater towards kids? Or what do you think? Yeah, I think honestly, this is the best film for. An adult. Like, I think it's、mm-hmm. so cute. It still has like the nostalgia of it being like kid friendly, kind of like Barbie, but it has a deeper meaning. So I think it should be towards adults and people、yeah. in our age group. I'm excited to see the future of movies and whether the games are adapted. Yeah, me too. And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. Jordan Paul Slater, Gabby Medina, and Zifei Zhang produced today's show. Thank you to our multimedia journalist team, Ariel Chang, Isabel Crespo, Niba Isaias, and Six Orange. Sam Bittman runs our soundboard, Cooper Brown is our live stream manager, and Derek Runfro composed our theme music. Catch us live on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News Monday through Thursday at 5 p.m. Subscribe to From Where We Are on whatever channel you're listening to right now. Finally, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Annenberg Radio. I'm Cheyenne Dixon. And I'm Jack Kruger. From all of us at Annenberg Radio, wherever you are, we hope you'll join us again for From, From Where, Where We, We Are. are.